Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. But first, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this privilege of studying your Word together. And as we approach your Word, we invite the Holy Ghost to be our teacher, to be our guide, to also quicken us according unto your Word, enabling us to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. We thank you, Father God, for receptive hearts and ears and minds that are open to receive from your Word tonight. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to proclaim with boldness and accuracy the knowledge of the truth that will make us free. We'll give you all the glory for all that's accomplished in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 6.25 says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Let's stop right there for a moment. We've been talking about operating in the God kind of faith. We've been talking about how we can believe with our heart and say with our mouth, and what we believe and say will come to pass. That is, if we don't doubt. And really, to doubt means to differ. In other words, if our heart and mouth don't differ, the confession of our heart, the confession of our mouth don't differ, then we're going to have the things that we say in life. At least that's what Jesus said. Now, it's up to us individually as to whether or not we believe Jesus. Personally, I believe what He said. What about you? Greatest teacher I ever heard of or known of. How about you? Amen. And so if we believe it in our heart and say it with our mouth, then it's going to come to pass if we doubt not or if we don't differ. Well, to say that is one thing, but to operate in that is another thing, isn't it? Because, you see, the condition of the heart may vary from one person to the next. And if we just hear one side of it, you know, just say it and 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 it will come to pass, and don't spend some time talking about the heart of the individual then they're going to get confused because all they're doing is just spewing out these words and wondering why nothing is happening in their lives. The Bible says that we are to protect our hearts with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. In other words, the power or the force of life is on the inside of the individual and it's got to be brought out. And so we are to protect our hearts to see to it that our hearts are not filled with all kinds of different things. And one of those things that we want to see to it our hearts are protected from is what? Worry. Worry. Anxiety. Fretting. Why? Well, because it'll shut down our faith lives. You see, if we get caught up in all kinds of worry, then our faith is not going to produce because worry is going to be the dominant force. We want faith to be the dominant force, not worry, not fear, not anxiety, and all these different things, stress. We don't want that to be the dominant force in our lives. We want the forces of life to be at work within us. Amen? 
And that's why Jesus, I, I believe, spent some time talking to the people about that very thing. Worry will paralyze a person's faith. As a matter of fact, read on. And why take your thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? In other words, where there is worry in abundance, there is faith in lack. Isn't that true? In other words, if our, our hearts or if our spiritual condition is overwhelmed by this emotion called worry, then there's very little faith. There's not much faith in God. And so if we're trying to say these right things, but yet worry is dominating us on the inside, can you see that our mouth and our heart is going to differ? They're going to differ one from the other? That's doubt just differing. See, if you believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth, it'll come to pass. But your heart has got to be grounded in the Word of God. If it's not, then other forces are going to take over and those forces are going to shut down the force of faith. And so we need to see to it that we protect ourselves from this thing called worry. Now, in a medical book written about 1552 B.C., I don't think you were around then, we're told that the people then worried about some of the same things that we're tempted to worry about today. Did you know that? People think, well, they must have had it, you know, easy back then. Well, no, that's not true. As a matter of fact, in this particular book, they have found a remedy, supposed remedy, to prevent the hair from turning gray. Now, I don't know if you ever heard this one before, but it's kind of comical. It says, anoint your hair with the blood of a black calf which has been boiled in oil or rattlesnake fat. It'll protect your hair from turning gray. I don't know if I'd want to do that. But <laughs> would you? In other words, it goes to show that even during that particular time, people were worried, weren't they? All right, see me after the service. I'll give you the formula. <laughs> people were overtaken by worry. And as a result of being overtaken by worry, they tried to do something about it because they knew it was probably causing them, you know, much trouble in their lives. Well, without doubt, worry is the same today as it was then. It affects the lives of in individuals today. It impacts the lives of individuals today just like it did back then. But I believe that we've got to come up with a better remedy than putting this oil upon our hair. As a result of worry, many have turned to things like drugs. As a matter of fact, one of six Americans takes some kind of tranquilizing pill just to change his or her mental attitude. Did you know that? To try to alter or to change that person's mental state or attitude. It's been estimated that 30 million Americans are taking pills to treat the symptoms of their worries. That's a lot of people. Think about that. 30 million Americans. Actually, we've become a nation of, of pill takers. You know, here's a pill for this or a pill for that. And if you think about it, many put their trust in, in, in some, some things that can even be damaging in other areas to try to remedy another area. 
As a matter of fact, if you really consider it, isn't that what that field is basically all about? How many have had it, had heard of someone or even yourself, you've been told, you've got to take this for this, but if you take this, it'll cause that. And to remedy that, you've got to take this for that, but when you take this for that, it'll cause this. And then it just goes on and on and on. Do you know what I'm talking about? And, and before you know it, you know, you've got about 15 or 20 bottles of pills, you know, just lined up because, you know, one takes care of this, that takes care of that, that takes care of this, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Well, you know, we're not putting down anybody trying to get help in any way. I want you to understand that tonight. We're not trying to do that and would never do that. But what we're trying to do is point out that there is a better way. His name is Jesus. And if we just learn to do some things that He told us to do and taught us to do, then I'll tell you what, you can take something a whole lot better than that pill that will remedy your situation. Now, when it comes to mental disorders, there are a number of people in mental institutions right now as we sit in this facility. And if you really consider it, the rate of increase is absolutely alarming. There are more people being institutionalized today than ever before as a result of mental disorders. Beloved, whether we have seen it or not, or recognize it or not, the darkness is getting darker and darker as the light becomes brighter and brighter. And there are many that are caving in under the pressure of circumstances that life deals us and deals them. And as a result of not knowing or not learning how to tap into the resources of heaven above and the Word of God, you know, they have been victimized by all these forces from without. Just fell right into that rut, were entrapped, and have no way of escape. And so, in effort to get some kind of help, they've been institutionalized. But the sad scenario is this. There are many institutions out there that are not really helping the people like they need to be helped. And all they're doing is just providing a holding place for them until they live out their length of days upon this earth. You know, that's a sad scenario because we're supposed to help people get better. Isn't that what it's all about, beloved? We want to help people get better and provide the remedy. Now, if we consider those people there, but also then consider the people that are not being treated on the streets today, can you imagine how many people are being overcome by mental disorders? You know as well as I do, there are many out there on the street today that are not institutionalized, they're not being helped in any way, but they're out there on the street and they're having all kind of mental disorders and emotional problems. Beloved, we have got to constantly remind ourselves that God is greater in us than He that is in this world. And that this world is no match for the God who lives on the inside of us. And there isn't any problem that we face in life that is bigger than our God. And you see, the problem is, beloved, and, and I say this with, with all respect and love in my heart, another major part of the problem is that people are not hearing from behind pulpits like this today that Jesus is also the one who died so that they can have their peace of mind back. Do you realize that? People are not being told that Jesus died so they can have peace of mind. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed spiritually, emotionally, and physically. In every realm of life, in every department of our being, provision has been made for us by God. Through Jesus Christ, we can have this peace of mind that He wants us to have. 
alcohol consumption, drug abuse. I mean, it's running rampant today. Why? Millions of people are out there trying to overcome their problems with these substances. See, it's their attempt to temporarily escape their problem. But yet, little do they know they're adding to the problem. And they're giving more opportunity to the enemy. If you're taking notes tonight, write this down. Worry is a mental distress or agitation resulting from concern. There's nothing wrong with being concerned, but you cannot go beyond the limits. Worry is a mental distress or agitation resulting from being concerned. It's okay to be concerned about things, but we have to understand our human limits. We have to understand our emotional limits. We have to recognize that we in ourselves, in our own strength, are not capable of handling life's problems. We've got to realize that we are individuals who need a higher force in our lives and a higher power operating in our lives. And that is the power of the living God that comes to us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And no matter who we are out there in the world, beloved, we're all facing spiritual problems that have got to be handled with spiritual powers. And those who attempt to handle these problems with emotional powers or mental powers are always going to be defeated in the end. There is no doubt about that. God wants us to recognize and to realize that we cannot add one cubit to our stature through worry. There's nothing that we can do to add to our statures if we worry. Worry is a, a, a real force out there. Worry is an emotional power out there working against us. It wants to get us in its grips and just crush the life right out of us. It wants to take our mental powers beyond their limits so as to gain control over us. And there are demonic forces out there behind this force called worry, believe me, that will oblige. And we've got to see to it that we follow the admonition of our Lord Jesus Christ and refuse to worry have anxiety or fret in this life and stop it from affecting us within. Turn with me, if you would, please, to James chapter 1 and verse 8. In the book of James in chapter 1 and verse 8. Of course, the book of James is like the Proverbs in the New Testament. And it says in verse 8 that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. In other words, a man whose mind is divided is unstable in all of his ways. See, the word worry comes from two Greek words. One is M-E-R-I-Z-O, which means to divide. And the other one is N-O-U-S, which means the mind. And what it is, it's a mental condition that produces instability. A double-minded man. One who never has an anchor for his soul. 
There is a need, beloved, for the soul to be anchored in something. Did you ever know that in this life, you have got to set your mind on something. We tell our young people, you've got to set a goal for your life. And you've got to become focused, and then you've got to be diligent to reach that goal. You've got to expend your energies and put forth effort, but keep your focus. Keep your mind fixed on something. How many of you know it's very easy to become distracted in this life? You can set out to do something and then, you know, not very long down the road, you're going in different directions and you never accomplish the thing you set out to do. Why? Because there are so many things on our minds. We've got so much to think about. Mental instability is exactly what the devil wants to inject in the human life. Because that person becomes unstable in all of his ways and his spirit man becomes confused and does not put forth the issue of life. A double-minded man. One who has no anchor for the soul. See, the soul has got to have an anchor. If you're out there on a boat, on a lake, and there's a little bit of a a current flowing, and you want to stay in one spot, you've got to put down the anchor so that you stay immovable in that one spot. Well, God is saying to us that this double-minded man doesn't receive anything from God. So the person has got to have an anchor for the soul. And who is the anchor for the soul? Jesus is the anchor for our soul. He's our forerunner who has gone into heaven for us, whose blood was shed for us, who is proof positive that God will not lie to us. Praise God. And that becomes an anchor for the soul. Jesus is the anchor for our soul. And we've got to be fixed on Him. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, Set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the Father's right hand. Set your mind on things above. If we want to do something worthwhile, beloved, we have got to learn to set our mind on heavenly things. And then become convinced that these are the more and the most important things in life. And if we'll do that, we'll have an anchor for the soul. If you have a problem, in other words, in this life, don't immediately look to the arm of the flesh for help. Go directly to the throne of God. Let that be an anchor for our soul. I'm going to set my mind on things above, in other words, and say, God has a solution to my problem. And beloved, when we do that, we'll begin to eliminate worry from our lives. Because when you begin to think that God is bigger than the problem, when you begin to think that Jesus' name is above the problem, your mind becomes fixed and established on Him. And then, on the inside, you begin to release the issues of the forces of life that will go forth and solve the problem. Let's look at another uh, set of scriptures here. Look at Luke's gospel, if you would, please, in chapter 10. And verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered. 
Circle that in your Bible. Martha was cumbered. It means to distract with care. A mind that is easily distracted by things is a cumbered mind. There was the Son of God teaching lessons on life. Can you imagine that opportunity, having Jesus over your house, and He says, let's all sit down, I want to teach you. Would you be cumbered about other things? Now, you see, if it was a guy... You know, he'd be concerned about he's got to build this or he's got to do that and all these different things that have got to be done and, you know, get this right and get that right and he's busy with all these these thoughts on his mind. The woman, she wants to see to it that there's food on the table, the table is set and, you know, the dishes are clean and all that. I mean, we've got to get out the best china. Jesus is here tonight, you know, and so on and so forth. The mind begins to run. The mind begins to to go on its own. It's not anchored. Easily distracted. And she had an easily distracted mind. She was lost in her thoughts. And she was letting go of the most important thing. There's a time and a place for everything. This was the time to listen to the words that fell from the master's lips. And she did not avail herself of that precious opportunity She was about doing what she had to do. She was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter therefore that she helped me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. I guess that's a little lesson right there, isn't it? But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. I like that. In other words, yes, there's a time for us to eat. There's a time to have the table prepared and all that. But you know what? There's a time also to sit and listen to truths that will never leave you. And Martha, you need to hear what Mary's hearing. Martha, you need to hear what Mary's hearing. Sink your teeth into it, anchor your soul on it, and live by it. And then go fix us something to eat. Can you see what he was trying to tell her? He wasn't putting her down. But beloved, may I say this tonight? You know why many fail to operate in the law of faith? As I said, there are many varied conditions in our lives. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, we know that. There are those that are so easily distracted that it's hard for them to really concentrate on spiritual things. As a matter of fact, here's a verse of Scripture that's very important to us. While we look not at things seen, but things that are not seen. You know, that takes a disciplined mind. Amen. You can say amen to that. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, While we look not... 4.18? That while we look not... While we look not... While we look not at things seen, but things that are not seen, for things that are seen are temporal or subject to change, but things that are not seen are eternal. And see, beloved, if we don't make ourselves, if we don't fix our minds on things that are not seen, we'll never have any vision of those things that are not seen. Yet those unseen things made this world and they uphold us us and sustain us in this life. And we have got to discipline ourselves to do so. 
to look at those things that are not seen. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a what? A what? Well-disciplined mind. A sound mind is a well-disciplined mind. In other words, we take control over our minds, over our emotions. We are spirit beings. And we say, no, I'm not going to be double-minded in this matter. I'm not going to give place to worry. I'm not going to be easily distracted and cumbered about so many things that this life, you know, throws my way. I'm going to focus on that which is needful, on that which is good, so that I have an anchor for my soul and that I have a problem solver when I have a need. Going back to Matthew chapter 6, if you would, please. And I want to show us some of the things the enemy will use to distract us and to get us into worry and anxiety. In Matthew 6 and 30, it says, Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall He not much more clothe you, O ye little faith? Therefore... Take no thought, saying. Now listen carefully. Remember the law of faith. What you believe in your heart and say with your mouth will come to pass. If you believe it and don't differ between your heart and your mouth, it will come to pass if you believe it and say it. Well, now listen. Take no thought, saying. What shall we eat? Now listen carefully. It only works when you believe it. And you know that people out there really believe that they can't make it in this life. And they're always saying, where am I going to get money for food? I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Where am I going to get money for food? They take the thought saying, you're not going to be able to eat and sustain your life. But wait a minute. Isn't that what happened out there in the wilderness? What are we going to eat? What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? They were worried. They were full of anxiety. You say those are legitimate concerns. Indeed they are. Indeed they are. But God told them, I will supply all of your need. Did He not? So in other words, they shouldn't have been distracted by anything that was around them. God wanted them to be out there and along the way to the promised land, believe in Him every step of the way. There was no grocery store. There was no drug store. There were no health spas. There were no TJ Maxx's and all these other stores out there in the wilderness. They had to believe God. But yet, they didn't believe God. They were full of worry and anxiety and concern. And it troubled them. Jesus comes on the scene and basically what He is saying, don't be like the Israelites of old. Don't take the thought saying, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What am I going to drink? How am I going to have a house over my head? And if you think about it, you go into the domestic home of today and what words will you hear being spoken and said? How are we going to pay for this? How are we going to pay for that? Right? It causes many arguments, causes strife, and all these things enter in. Yes, legitimate concerns. 
that trouble people. Things that people worry about. And Jesus gets right to the root of it all and He said, Take no thought saying, You can't add one cubit to your statue. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. You seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and those things will be added to you. Didn't He say that? In other words, He tells us, you don't need to worry, in other words, about those things. Those things will be added to your life if you will first of all put the kingdom of God first. See, beloved, trusting in the wrong things is not good for us. When we put our trust in material things, we put less trust in God. And then we tend to worry, beloved, because it seems like these needs are not being met in the natural. And now there's fear. And now there's concern. God doesn't want us to believe in material things. God doesn't want us to have faith in anything other than Himself. He wants us to believe that He is well able to meet all of our needs. And beloved, unless we take the time to look to the Word of God and discover exactly the kind of God we serve, we'll not know that He is well able to meet all of our needs. He wants us to develop an intimacy of relationship with Him where we know Him well enough to say, I don't need to even take that thought. Because my God, whom I serve, whom I trust, will supply what I need as I continue to serve Him and do His will. It's not up to me to concern myself with how He will do it. It's only my responsibility to know that He will. I put Him in control of my circumstances. I put Him in control of my concerns. I cast the whole of my care upon Him because He cares for me. I may not be able to see Him with my natural eye, but you know what? Through the eye of faith, I see Him at work in my life right now. I don't have to turn to the alcohol bottle. I don't have to turn to the drug. I don't have to turn to anything at all because I need not worry and I refuse to worry because the God that I serve is bigger than the problem that I have in this life. And He's already told me He'll add those things to my life. So we're not to trust in uncertain riches, beloved. We are to trust in the Most High God. And if we will but trust in Him, then worry will be resolved. There is a remedy to this problem. You know, worry someone... Did you ever hear of it said that way? It gives us a whole lot to do, but doesn't get us anywhere. Isn't that true? Doesn't add one cubit to your stature? I mean, you're very, very, very busy. Oh, I mean, you are busy. You ever see someone rocking on a rocking chair for about an hour, hour and a half, two hours? Just going to town. Not getting anywhere. Nothing's being accomplished and nothing's being done. Now put that in, a, you know, in another setting. Here's a person with a problem and just worry and worry and worry and worry and worry. What does that worry do? It gives you a whole lot to do. Man, I'm worried about it. I'm worried sick about it. And it'll make you sick. And all that. And you're worried and worried and worried and worried. But in the end, what does it accomplish? Nothing profitable. It takes away. It doesn't add to us. So God is saying, I want you to deal with this thing. I want you to, to rid yourself of this. Go to Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3 and I'll give you the remedy for worry. 
Isaiah chapter 26 and, and verse 3. And beloved, if you think this isn't as important as the other messages on faith, you better take another thought. Think again. Because in this setting, Jesus is letting us know that there is a hindrance to the faith problem when a person is caught up in worry. Oh, ye of little faith. In other words, where there's much worry, there's little faith. Where there's much faith, there's little worry. Can we say it like that? And it's true. So if you find yourself worried, anxious, and being overcome and cumbered about with worry and fretting and all that, you know you're not putting out a whole lot of faith. Can you see that? Let worry be your indicator. Let it be your gauge. It can gauge your faith life. See? You find someone who is absolutely overwhelmed with worry and anxiety, that person is not putting forth a lot of faith. They're putting forth an energy. They're putting forth a force, but it's not the force of faith. As a matter of fact, they are putting forth that which is destructive rather than that which is productive. Can you see that? In Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, it says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect shalom, perfect peace, whose mind is double. Cumbered. Distracted. Doesn't say that, does it? The word stayed there means established or fixed. Whose mind has been disciplined and well taught to remain fixed on thee. That will keep him in perfect peace. And you want to underline this in your Bible. Perfect peace. Shalom. That word shalom for perfect peace. You know, shalom is a perfect word in the sense that it describes harmony with ourselves and God in all realms of life. Did you hear that? Perfect peace. We have peace with God spiritually through the blood of Jesus Christ, right? Romans 5.1 tells us that. Okay? And then, the chastisement of our peace was upon Him. So in other words, we can have peace of mind. Long life and peace will they add to thee. That is a mental condition where you are in harmony with God. You have the mind of Christ. You think like He thought. In other words, here, here He finds Himself on this earth. He has a dilemma. He is facing a problem. And what does He say? It's okay. The, my Father is always with me. Isn't that what He said? He said, were you not aware of the fact I could call a legion of angels right now and they'll come and help me if I wanted to? He has perfect peace of mind. Even though he's, dangerous, he's facing dangerous situations and peril, he says, no, I've got perfect peace. Hey, man, they're about to take him to the brow of the hill and knock him down, knock him off the cliff. No biggie. That's how he reacted. That was his response. Why? He had a mission to fulfill, and he wasn't going to let man mess it up. He knew the God that he served would bail him out of any situation he encountered in this life, and so he just went about doing his father's business. 
He always hears me. How do you like that for peace of mind? Would you like to say that with him? My father always hears me. Because I always do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So whenever I talk to him, he hears me. Whenever I pray to him, he hears me. And I have the petition that I desire of him. Isn't that wonderful? That's called soul peace. Peace of mind. Harmony. And then, of course, our physical, in a physical condition, we can also come in line with the peace of God. We can harmonize with the will of God for our condition in our physical bodies and our natural setting and circumstances. Okay? And so that's why it says here, Thou will keep him in perfect peace. No worry, no anxiety, no fretting about anything. Can you imagine that, beloved? You know many hospitals and institutions are filled with people as a result of worry and stress. As a matter of fact, the majority of them all are filled with people who are overcome by worry and stress. It's linked back to all kinds of diseases and sicknesses that can come upon people. And many of them are, are that way as a result of not learning to deal with stress and worry and anxiety. Jesus wanted us to realize the futility of worry and He wanted us to know that nothing good is going to come out of it. And that's why He said, look, your focus is wrong. Your mind is set on the wrong things. You are concerned about eating. You're concerned about drinking. You're concerned about a roof over your head. But you're supposed to be concerned about seeking the kingdom of God. Those things will automatically be added to your life when you pursue the things of God. I mean, can you imagine the worry that was just lifted off your shoulders? Did you hear that tonight? He just told you tonight. If you'll seek His kingdom, then the necessities of this life will be added to you. And you need not concern yourself about what, where your next meal is going to come from. About what you're going to wear. Or where you're going to sleep. Can you see that? Just pursue the kingdom of God. That goes with it. So don't worry. Don't fear. Have no fret about it. Amen. Look at Matthew again. Let's go on back there for a moment. In Matthew 6. See, in verse 27, he tried to let them know, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to your stature? In other words, realize the futility of worry. Nothing good is accomplished through worry. It's a non-productive emotion. Don't let it control your life. Don't let it shut down the forces of life and release the forces of death. Don't let it flow through your system and affect the cells of your body. Don't allow it to run its course in your life. Verse 26 also helps us overcome worry. He says, I'll keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed on me. There'll be harmony with yourself and God in all three realms of life, spiritual, emotional, and physical, if you'll fix your mind on Him. Next time, next time, it's probably be tonight when you face a problem. When you wake up in the morning, you've got a problem. You've got to breathe. Whatever it is, you're going to face a problem in life. Isn't that true? What He wants you to do when you wake up tomorrow morning... Say, hallelujah, I serve the problem solver. My God is bigger than my problem. The devil wants you to concentrate 
on, on the problem. He wants you to concern yourself with, with the problem. He wants you to rehearse it in your mind when you get up in the morning. Think about it all day long and before you go to bed at night and repeat the matter the very next day. Over and over again. He wants us to concentrate on the problem. God is saying, put the problem over on this side of the scale, the balancing scale, and put me on the other. Which is bigger? God is bigger. In other words, get your attention off of that side. Get your attention on this side. God is bigger than my problem. I set my mind on you, O Lord. Beneath me are your everlasting arms. You're there to be my help. You're there to be my guide. You're there to show me the way. You are my victory. Jesus, you always cause me to triumph in this life. Godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This, I, I like this. Don't you like that? I don't know what it's doing to you. It's fueling my fire. Glory to God. We serve a big God. They limited the Holy One of Israel. Where did they limit Him? Right there. Space between their ears. That's where they limited Him. He was only as big as they could think He would be. Isn't that true? Right. We look at things in life and say, I can't handle that. No, you can't by yourself, but you're not by yourself. Think on how big your God is and then do this. Said all that to get to this. Verse 26. Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Wait a minute. You ever see any worried birds out there? <laughs> On a branch? Having a conniption? <laughs> Want to pop them a pill or something? I mean, have you, I've never seen any like that. Do you think they care about where their next worm's coming from? No more worms in the earth. What are we going to do now? It's getting cold outside. Who will build us a home? <laughs> they don't sow. They don't reap. They don't gather in the barns. But your father feeds them. In other words, they're not worried. Are you not much better than they? Oh, are you getting this? Are you not much better than... God clothed the grass of the field. God feeds the fowls of the air. Isn't that what it says? How much more? Everybody say those three wonderful words. How much more? Natural children give to their, natural parents give to their children good things, right? How much more does our Father give us? How much more will He provide for us? Don't be a worried bird. Please, get a hold of who God is and then 
get a hold of your individual self-worth. Start seeing yourself as someone God loves. And start saying, now this is not being arrogant. This is not being boastful. You know, it's okay to boast in God. Start saying this, if God will do it for anyone, He'll do it for me. He said, can you really talk like that? Jesus did. My father hears me all the time. He didn't say it with arrogance or pride. I always please him. He does everything for me. He takes care of me. He knew that. You see, the devil came along and the devil gave us a poor self-image. Are you hearing this? The devil came along because of Adam and we got a poor self-image like as if, you know, we're worthless. We're not worth anything. And just going through this life like as if we're, we're nobody. And you talk about take no thought saying. Take no thought saying. How many people are out there saying, well, you know, I, I don't know, God, I just can't believe it. God, God, God do it for me. Why, why would He want to do it for me? I mean, look at me. Who am I? I'm just a nobody going through this life. I'm just another number where I work. You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, and all that. And that's the image they have of themselves. And no matter what we try to say that God says about them, what overshadows the image of who we are in Christ? What overshadows that image? Self. You look in a mirror in the morning and you don't like what you see. Oh, I wish I were better. Or like somebody else, they've got it all together. Then they commit suicide or something like that, you know. We've seen this happen with sports figures and, and movie stars and all this sort of thing. And boy, I wish I was someone like that. And then you think they have it all together, but then they take their lives. They didn't have it together, did they? Beloved, no one is better than anybody else. In God's kingdom, as far as He is concerned, we're all equal heirs and joint heirs with Christ. And God sees every one of us beautiful. God sees every one of us lovely. God sees every one of us pure and holy, cleansed in the, by the blood of Christ. God sees all of us as His children. Do you see your child and how much joy that child brings to your life? That child has good qualities and bad qualities, but yet you still love that child. Your father loves you. He knows your humanity. He's done something about it. The blood cleanses us from it all. He wants you to start saying, if, my, if the Father God who made heaven and earth will do it for anybody, He'll do it for me. So I'm not concerned about life's problems. I'm not overwhelmed with worry about where my next meal is going to come or about this situation or about that situation. My concern is on God. I'll not be distracted by these minor details of life. The major detail of life is to serve my God and seek His righteousness. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. In Him I live and move, and in Him I have my being. And my God reigns in my life. And as we talk like that, beloved, I guarantee you, you're going to see some changes to take place. Your spiritual condition is going to change. You're going to have a boldness about you that's going to enable you to speak out faith in a powerful way. In verse 32, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. He knows we're in need. Beloved, being like that is the mark of an unbeliever. 
The Greeks or the Gentiles seek these things. That's the mark of an unbeliever. An unbeliever has that mentality. An unbeliever has that mindset. An unbeliever has that attitude. It's one of the marks of an unbeliever to be worried and anxious over life's necessities. Did you know that? God doesn't want us to be that way. As a matter of fact, I want to give you a few more statistics. The Mayo Clinic put out a report on fear, worry, and anxiety and concluded that worry affects the heartbeat. Listen carefully. Worry affects the heartbeat, the blood circulation, and makes one a right candidate for 219 diseases and 642 complications known to the medical profession. Did you hear that? I'm going to say it again. Worry, fear, and anxiety affects the heartbeat. It affects the blood circulation. It makes one a ripe candidate for 219 diseases and 642 complications known to the medical profession. That's pretty destructive, wouldn't you say? Now, let me just kind of say this and see if it strikes the heart. We're saying, Lord, heal my blood pressure or blood condition or circulation. He's saying, stop worrying. No, Lord, I want you to heal my blood circulation. He says, stop worrying. See, he knows if we'll stop worrying, the blood circulation will take care of itself. He knows if He automatically, instantly heals the blood circulation the way we're already rooted and grounded in worry, it'll be back in a week. Are you hearing this? See, these are the truths that we have got to get hold of. God wants us to know these things. As a matter of fact, Dr. Mayo said that he had never seen a man die of overwork. But he had seen many die from doubt. A lady with gallbladder trouble said she was going to die. The operation was successful, yet she died. And you know why she died? They found out that she was so worried and so overcome with worry about this situation. They did an autopsy and it showed she worried herself to death. You know, the vital organs of our body will respond to those forces. And that's what happened to her. Think about it. Think about it. In Matthew 6.34, we have a revelation that will also help us understand God's will with regard to overcoming worry. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. Live one day at a time in the will of God. In other words, when you rise up in the morning, this day the will of God is done in my life. Someone says, I don't know about living all that long for God. Can you live one day for God? You can if you live one day at a time. You rise up in the morning, you read this text, these verses of Scripture, and you say, this is the first day of the rest of my life. And this is going to be my spiritual and emotional anthem. 
I will seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And I will not worry about life's necessities. For the Lord my God that I serve provides all of my needs. I anchor my soul in the person of Jesus Christ, who is my problem solver and the one who meets all my needs. Don't live in tomorrow. A gas station manager, who he, he erected a sign on his gas station that said, Free gas tomorrow. And every time someone came by, it said, Free gas tomorrow. And the next day they came by, it said, Free gas tomorrow. And the next day they came by, it said, Free gas tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. Isn't that true? So don't be concerned about tomorrow. See, everybody's looking about tomorrow. Live today. We want peace today, not tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. If I live in peace with God today, tomorrow will be okay. God doesn't want us to live in the yesterday. He wants us to live in the now. All the victories of yesterday, all the sorrows of yesterday, all the sins of yesterday are gone in the sea of forgetfulness. He doesn't want us occupied with anything that happened yesterday. If we live in the yesterday, we have no today for which to be thankful. Did you hear that? Today, I will thank my God for who I am and what I have. I thank Him for caring for me more than the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air. I thank Him for clothing me better than the lilies of the field. I thank Him for what I have this day. And I boldly say that God is my helper. And I'm not going to fear life or its problems any longer. Write down these two verses of Scripture. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. And 1 Peter 5, 6 through 9. In 1 Peter 4, 6, uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 8. It says, We're to be careful for nothing, but by everything with prayer and supplication, let your, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep our hearts and our minds. It will protect us in heart and in our minds. It will keep our hearts and our minds secure in God. It will actually garrison about us. In other words, set up a team or an army of soldiers run about our minds so that we not refuse to allow anything into our minds that is destructive or of a destructive nature. Worry will try to come in, but the peace of God that's in our heart and mind will see to it that it doesn't get in. It'll come nigh you, it'll come near you, but you'll shift gears right away because you've turned it over to God. You've turned it over to a mighty one, a mighty God who supplies all your needs. And it's in His hands and you can boldly say, nope, that's dealt with in God. That's taken care of by God. The God that I serve handled that for me and I will not be under stress or anxiety or worry about the matter ever again. It's in the hands of the Almighty One. See? And you thank Him for that. And then in 1 Peter chapter 5, and this I'm going to read to you from the Amplified Bible, and make certain that you look to it over and over and over again. You may be facing a difficult situation tomorrow. Well, you know what? Before you go to bed tonight, you begin to thank God that He has sustained you through another day of life. 
And then when you rise up in the morning, you can say, Thank God I am carefree. Thank God I am worry-free. Because this day I serve God. In Him I live. In Him I move. In Him I have my being. He sustains my life. He provides what I need. He meets all my needs. Whatever it is that I face in life. All the necessities. How many of you need strength for tomorrow? How many of you need help for tomorrow? How many of you need food for tomorrow? Whatever it is you need, I want you to know that the God that you serve is well able and more than enough to meet your need. I want you to know He revealed Himself to Abraham as El Shaddai, the God of plenty. He is more than enough. Abraham said, well, if I have needs, what am I, what am I going to do? He says, I am El Shaddai. Do you know who you're hooked up with? Beloved, do we know who we're hooked up with? We're hooked up with El Shaddai, the God of plenty. He's more than enough. He has an abundance. He has no lack. And He has a loving heart to give to all of His children. So no matter what it is, He wants us to get to know Him like that. Here's the problem. The faith problem is that we don't know God the Father well enough. We don't know the Lord Jesus well enough. If we only knew the love that was demonstrated when He shed His blood for us. He said, greater love hath no man. And it says, if He'll do that for us, how shall He not with Him give us all things in life? Can you see that? If we knew that and set our mind on that, anchored our soul on that, then on the inside, the forces of life would begin to flow. We'd speak out, not because we mimic somebody else. Well, they said with the stripes of meal, someone will say it. That's not the way it works. They said God supplies my needs, someone will say it. That's not the way it works. A confession is something you hold dear in your heart. It's because you know the Word. It's because you know the Father. Did you hear that? It's because you personally know Him and you know what He'll do for you and then there's peace in your heart. And then when the need arises, you say, Glory to God. Hallelujah! Thank God that's, that's solved. That problem's solved. Well, how will you know? Because I serve Him. And I love Him. And He loves me. So I believe it in my heart and I say it with my mouth. And it's mine. Listen to this verse, 1 Peter 5, 6. Therefore, humble yourselves, demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God, that in due time He may exalt you, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on Him. Did you hear that? Listen. Someone said, well, I thought I'd give Him half my problems. Because I didn't want to trouble God. Well, that's kind of you. But I think He's big enough. He said right here, cast the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on Him. Why? He cares for you affectionately. He cares about you watchfully. He cares for you affectionately 
He cares about you watchfully. Did you hear that? The God of the universe cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Thank God. He cares. He cares for us. Hallelujah. So how do we overcome worry? Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Get to know him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Serve him. Seek his righteousness. Don't be a bird shaking on a limb. Know that he cares for you. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.